For today's episode, I'd like to highlight the work of a fantastic industry charity. The film and TV charity supports people in the UK film and TV industry at every stage of their career and beyond. From their important work on mental health, which led to the creation of the whole picture programme, and their help for crew being affected by COVID-19. If you, a member of your family or a friend who works in the industry, needs help or someone to talk to, please go to filmtvcharity.org.uk. Let's get started. Hola, film family. I'm Isusko, your host, a.k.a. The Time Scheduler. Welcome to the Film Gods podcast, which is a chat with the best of the UK film crew who make all of those beautiful moving images you watch every day. I want to give a special thanks to Island Studios for the recording space. Thank you, Mark, Mitch, Pauline, and the whole team. And wherever you're listening, I hope you enjoy. Big love. So welcome, film family, to another episode of the Film Gods. On the line today, because we're not the whole COVID-19 thing has stopped us from meeting up in person. So on the line today, we are very lucky to have the production pinball whose brain is just its just always firing. With the infectious energy of a new puppy, this, this is going <laughs> to be a great listen, you lucky people. So straight into it. Who are you and what is your role on the call sheet? My name is Alice Pitt-Carter and oh, I fluctuate between production manager and production assistant depending on how good the producer is. <laughs> <laughs> so when, how, when do you know what you're going to do or how does it work? What's your, what's your, so the question I ask everyone is what is your process from pencil to invoice? Okay, so mine completely depends on either my wonderful diary service, Red, um, maybe someone's asked them if they've got any production managers, generally production assistants with Red available, and um, they'll put my CV forward and say, Alice, if you want someone fun and witty and not very good at her job, but she'll make you smile. No, I'm kidding, <laughs> obviously not. Um, they'll put me forward and then the person will say, yeah, that sounds great. Or maybe a friend of mine will ask if I'm available if it's a production manager or a producer. And um, I'll say, yep, yeah, I'm free for those dates. Let's try and make that work. And uh, it's, it's tricky with, uh, with production because they have X amount of days and they might you know, get you on a few more days on a deal rate or you know, less days on APA rate. And you need to really, you know, I, I do a lot of deals for friends and for jobs that I feel are very valuable to me. Like mm. it's not all about the money, it's about yep. who I'm working with. Am I gonna have a good two weeks on this job? Mm. And generally I, I do think about the people I'm working with rather than the rate. Um, on a lot of them because you can have a terrible time and be like oh at least I'm getting paid but it's not all about that and so do you then, ever kind yeah. of look at it and go I can learn from this person or I haven't worked with that person I've heard that they're good or what are your main kind of criteria 100% and so if, if I haven't heard of them I'll do a little shout around and ask people if they've heard of them I'll chat to my diary service and they mm. generally know everyone so they'll be like, yeah, I think you'll get on really well with them. You'll bounce off well with them. Um, and if someone's like, oh, I've heard, yeah, they're great to work with. They're, they're really good. Or their CV is pretty decent. And I'm like, that sounds like a good thing to do. Or if it's someone that I know is hilarious and I'm going to have like just a positive experience with them mm. and they're always working, then I'm like, I need to get in there um, and learn from them. Because if they're always working, they're doing, they've been doing something right. And I would like to be more like that. Nice. So how did you, 
how did you get in? Did you just suddenly kind of go, hi, I want to get into production? Or did you, what was your route in? So I'm an actor. I, did, I think stop a lot of people it. do know that. Stop that. Three years train, Mount View, Hello. stop it. Where did you train? Mount View, North London, which is now Peckham. Nice. Um, yeah. And so you didn't pass like or you did pass or huh? I'm still passing. Have <laughs> <laughs> you ever really passed? Yeah. Um, no, I'm still, I'm still acting. That's like the main, that's the dream. At the end of the day, acting is the dream. And I'm yeah. severely fortunate that I happened to start working as a receptionist at a production, a very small production company agency hybrid of six women. Um, and as because an ex-boyfriend's dad was a creative. So he was like, I think you'd get on with this woman really well. And I was like, oh, okay. And I met her and she was just a strong, like feisty mid fifties woman. And I, I, we just, we just hit it off. And she was like, what are you doing the next, uh, the next couple of weeks? Are you free? My, you know, my sister has just gone away on holiday for a couple of weeks. Uh, do you want to come in the office? And I worked for free for two weeks because mm -hmm. I felt I couldn't ask for money when I had no idea what I was doing. And I was yep. just really grateful for an opportunity. Nice. Um, I didn't know anything about the industry. I did two weeks free work. And then after that two weeks, she was like, do you want to stay on? And I was on like minimum wage for a long time. But um, no, for like maybe a year and a half. Um, but I didn't realize at the time who these people were. I was meeting people like Sir John Hegarty um, was in every week. This woman was the head of TV at BBH for 10 years. I had no idea what that was. So I was meeting all these incredible people mm. and not realizing who they were. So just chatting to them like ordinary, like how I talk to people normally. And it wasn't, I guess it wasn't until I was getting to the end of being in house there that I realized the extent of these people that I'd been working with and learning mm. from for two years and like definitely later on because sadly like my boss died of cancer mm. um like three three years in and you know prepping her memorial and all of this stuff and now when I chat to people about Francis Royal everyone's like Franny yeah like formidable mm. and it's just I had I had great training without even realizing it I just think you have to just <laughs> it's <laughs> she was great yeah my bad then, was on there for a long bit I so, with no this that's it it's perfect no but that's that's this is this is the what currently so um you've got in you've worked for free did the, did did you ever kind of think oh i want to stick in agency or then because you're a production assistant production manager on film sets how was that how did that translate into getting into the other side the production into side? like production now so it was like this hybrid I didn't understand at the time, but I knew they were trying to create this because they, they think, and actually it's difficult, I think maybe people do still think that production hybrid of agencies are the future, that direct-to-client, cutting out that middleman and a company doing all of it rather than, you know, production to agency to client. So I learned the agency side and the production side, and it was only when I met, a wonderful production manager called Matt Bilatis, and he was a freelancer. Come on, you ones. Yes. Oh, yeah, that too. He was a freelancer, well, goodness me, at Royal. And he, after like two years, him and a producer called Jeremy Barnes, who's also another legend, um, they were like, you're gathering dust here. You should go freelance. And I was like, what is freelance? What do you mean? I'm an actor. And they sort of, they opened this possibility 
of shooting a lot and not staying in an office and doing the practical side of things and like the organization which I'm really good at so I hands in my notice and Matt got me on his very first job at my the very first job that he could like the week after I was leaving mm. and from then it was like that job this is why Boris and Matt are my shout outs because he Boris was the PA Matt was the PM and I was the production runner and um, I realized the difference between production and agency mm. and through agency out of the window because I was like production is where I want to be it's um it's fast moving it's not sitting in meetings it's it's being a doer and I've always been a doer like kind of like get up and go and that job was very get up and go and I think it was only, it was only from then that they really opened my eyes to what freelancing could be and what production freelancing could be so I, I mean, I thought I was going to be gutted to leave that company because the women were amazing and I'm still really good friends with them, but I've never looked back. Like production is just a world of excitement. What is it? I what thought, is it about it that gets, what is it that, that, is it just it suits your personality or is it just you love what it is or what is it that, that does production for you? I think it's because there's always, there's an end goal. There's always an end goal. I've never been very good at doing something unless there's an end goal mm. like you know I, I do, I'll do a puzzle because it's going to make a pretty picture at the end like I'll go for a run because it's going to make me fitter and I know that I'm gonna you know I mean I'm getting fit for that holiday I'm, I'm better at motivating myself if there's an end goal like I mm. rehearse as an actor for the play and you 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 focus and you you learn your lines because you don't want to be on that stage and forget your lines mm. like that's like you don't want to be that person Oh my God, you don't be that person because I've been that guy. No, actually, no, I haven't been because I'm a very, very good ad libber. Um, we can't tell. We can tell. I know, right? Um, yeah, it, it's the fact there's an end goal, which is the shoot. Mm. And you have to, you have this monstrous list and the list doesn't necessarily get like bigger and bigger and you drown in it because you tick that off, that's done. You tick that off, that's done, that's done, that's done, that's done. It gets smaller and smaller and then you, you shoot. So you're kind of like ticking things off, but knowing that you're still on tenterhooks a little bit because you never know what might happen on that shoot day. But if you've prepped and planned enough and you know your job, then it should go smoothly on the day. So Unless, as a PM, what's your prep look like? What do you do? How long is it? Say for an average, say a two day shoot, one day's a studio, one day's a location. What does your prep look like? Oh, uh, I mean, we can't, we don't get to choose how long our prep is. We get told by whoever books us, they're like, you've got that and you've got, you know, anything from a week to a month. And from then you need to really lay out what your priorities are, what's already been done by the producer. Is this a last minute job or has this been going on for a while and they just couldn't afford to get you one until the last minute? So you need to work it out from there, look at your budget, see you know, how big your crew is. I generally would get a pencil sheet started so I can see what we need, chat to the director, see what's what, a pencil who, sheet? As in people that you penciled or just something that's just I like pencils. So yeah. I just like, you know, just loads pencils, of pencils. Crayola, <laughs> nice. I didn't know if it was just like a list of all the things that you need to do or a list of the people that you needed. What's a pencil <laughs> sheet? The pencil sheet I'll generally do is like a list of the people that I need. So it'll go in department from like production, camera, art department, um, what else is there? Lighting team. And then, you know, you go on to your miscellaneous, like your catering and your craft coffee van, which is you, always a number you one. You do realise that you haven't said assistant directors. 
That's because they go without saying. That's it. They're already they're already booked. They're already top of the list. <laughs> they are because the director chooses them, not me. So. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. Or actually, some some producers kind of have their first ads that they use. Do you get more booked because the director wants you, or because the producer wants you? Do you think, or is it? I guess at my level, which is very small, as top of a, the top of the mountain, your level. You know, as as the bottom, as at, at base camp <laughs> at the mountain of looking at all the proper first ads. There's sometimes it's like there's a few directors that want me, and then there's a few productions. So it's kind of at a minute, probably about fifty fifty. Nice. Nice. And do you ever say no because you don't like a director? I've never met a director I don't like. Oh. Yeah, lucky. Oh, it's video. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn. No, yeah, no. I I guess the thing with the industry at the minute, which is, again, at the level that I'm doing, which is when I'm firsting, it's the content that's the thing. It's all directors that are roughly my age that are roughly going through the same things as that I'm going through. and. And you all just realise that you're kind of muddling along and just trying to get through it. I I think that's so valuable that you say that because I've always been acting, I guess, and before I went freelance, blagging it was all I was taught. People like, blag it, you know, always pretend you know, pretend you know. I remember one time I was told by someone who I maybe don't respect as much as I thought I did, that just say you know, and then I can call someone and ask them later on. And I think by screwing up, blagging some things, I learned that you don't need to blag things because people are in the same boat as you and they want to help you. And if you're a nice guy, then they're, then they're happy to help you. So don't pretend like you know mm. stuff that is actually quite important to learn. Ask questions. Yeah. And it's okay to not know. Like, you, because you're, you're going to know something that you can help someone else with. And someone above you is going to be happy to teach you something that they once had to ask that question to someone else. Mm. Like, I just think it's so important to like to know that you're all in the same boat and you're all muddling through. And it's funny because I feel like when you start a job, I'm going to babble a bit now. When you start a job, which I have done, especially when it's a service company job and you go away, you assume everyone is good at the jobs they're doing. Mm. And this is just what you assume and so you assume yeah. that person is doing their job you've seen you're doing your job and i feel like it's quite a valuable lesson that i've learned recently to know that we're all in it together and just make sure that you're all that you're checking in with everyone just in case just as someone's sure someone would check in with me to make sure that i'm doing what i should be doing it just means that you know you've got you've got an overarching view of everything so you are confident that what you think is going ahead is going ahead so from Double a production check. manager's point of view, you've kind of people always come at you with loads of stuff. How do you deal with how do you deal with all of that information coming at you all the time and checking in with people and trying to make things, you know, trying to not drop a plate, a spinning plate that is prep in production. Lists, 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 lists. lists. <clears throat> and Paper, like, online versions, notes, computers, excels. I started on paper and now I use stickies or Wanderlist, but Wanderlist has just told us that it's closing down now. So I use stickies, which is like the map stickies. And I've got them all on my, um, on my desktop, like per job, but like a personal one, like a to-do list, like, and then like each job has a different sticky, it's different color. I'm so just explain, what is stickies? I don't know stickies. 
Right. Hello. <laughs> Stickies. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's like I, how I probably use notes. Just post-it notes. Yeah, post-it but notes. Like, but, you, but they sit in the background of your screen and you can have like different ones. You can shrink, you can make them bigger, smaller, depending on like what, on how big your job is and how many things you've got to do. And because they sit in the back, in the background of your new desktop, they're always there. And you're not like, oh, reopening an app, you just see them there because they're in the corner. You can just click on it, add a list, delete stuff. Because I'm, I'm a very visual person. Mm. So brightly colored stickies are things that I really relate to. And I like going on that list. And I like amending it. You know, I like making it neat, putting things in bold, underlining, um, highlighting things that are more important. I do put things in priority order, which helps when I'm, when I'm prepping. Because it means that you know that you've done that. And that stuff at the bottom, that stuff I probably need to do the night before a shoot, like printing the call sheet, printing the schedules, printing the storyboards. It's, it's things like that. We've completely gone off course now. And it sounds like the kind of thing you and I would do normally when we talk. <laughs> Just yeah, go off fine. course. It's good. That's good because it's what you're doing. It's your prep. This is what prep is. It's good. This is prep. This yeah. is like, yeah. And I guess it, it, it does take a couple of days to get into it and get to know the job and get to know what things you do need to do for a job. And honestly, like I, the same as the, the, you know, the other guys that have chatted to you on, um, on Film Gods so far, it's job by job basis. Mm. It completely depends on, you know, again, if you're working direct to client or if you're, how long you've got, um, how big the job is, how much money you've got. There's just so many things to look at. So it is done definitely by a job by job basis. Is there producing... anything that goes along everything? Is there, are there kind of, is there like a skeleton of production that then, you know, it's like a bigger job, you've got forearms or, you know, it's a direct to client, so you haven't got this, that and the other, but is there like a skeleton of things that you do that would go across each job? Call sheet, call sheet and catering, call sheet catering schedule, like. Yeah. <laughs> It. Double CS. That's it. Done. Okay. Thanks very much, ladies and gents. That Bye. Okay. <laughs> oh, I can't hide this bird. <laughs> so you, you call sheets. Start. You got a template. How soon do you start filling that kind of stuff in? Day so before, or two days are, before. People are very like, can be quite different. Some don't start it until they've got everyone in. Some people like read everything. It's what I do. Maybe like the minute I get on, I get my template call sheet from the, maybe the production company has their own one they like to use. If not, I've got a personal one, which I'll adapt to the production company. I'll chuck their logos in, brand it beautifully. And um, I'll make everything red. And then you go through and you change everything when you first start that you know. But everything that you know, you change it and you put it in black. Mm. So then you're, like, you know, you're getting your skeleton and then the things that you don't know, you leave in red. And generally, if you've got your call sheet on an Excel document, you've got, you know, the little columns on the right hand side of it. And that's where you do your catering numbers. You do like one, 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 one for each day of the shoot. Um, so it's kind of like all in one. You're creating this master document of crew, cast, people that are attending on set. You start putting all of the camera equipment lists at the bottom of it. And you just make this wonderful, like master god template that you can, anyone can look at and know exactly what's happening on that shoot day, yes. not scheduled, yeah. but yeah. And then because we've, it's like, I want this podcast also to be useful for 
the students they're like i'm going to be a dp i'm going to be a director i'm going to do this i'm going okay. to do that from a production manager's point of view is there like a tick box things that a director does that you go oh that's actually really useful or oh, that's really helpful i wish all directors did these things for me in prep um i think just being accessible is mm is when I find them really helpful. And we use Dropbox a lot. And I guess like for wardrobe, art department, all of that stuff, if, if we've, got, we've got a lot of keynote documents with all the art department props in it, and when a director is accessible and they are happy to you know, you know, get stuck in and go through that circling exactly what they want. And then you can send that to the art department and go, great, that's exactly what the director wants. That's amazing. Because some, some are sort of more chill and they're happy to let their art director you know, decide, then you've got clients saying, we need to know exactly, exactly what we're going to have on set. Mm. Like I did a job with you, that Samsung one that we did mm. together. And Samsung are a client who need to know the exact props that you're going to have on set. No more, no less. Yet they want to know everything, like down to the books you're going to have on the shelf. And they want a document with every, a picture of every single, um, every single prop on it. And luckily had a director that was happy to do that, had an art director, Damien Creek, who was mm, happy, legend. Um, but unfortunately he had to go through taking pictures of everything. And when you've got, you know, a director that doesn't necessarily want to work that way, it can be a bit tricky, but we had a director who was happy to go through circling, say, I want that, 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 pick, 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 pick. Just the more information the director offers, the more helpful it is. Otherwise, you're second guessing, and if you're second guessing, then that's too, a chance to get it wrong. Mm. And what about um, crew in general? Is there is there you know? It's kind of it feels like it's like trying one accessibility to get your lists and all your camera grips, lighting stuff in as early as possible. But are there things that we should? Because it's like no one. Do we ever really talk about how we can improve from a crew to production? Probably not. So how can we get better? communication wise you know what like i've i've never touched wood i've not i've been freelance for four years now and i've not experienced an issue with crew Amazing. like dealing with de uh, like not yet maybe i'm just lucky and maybe i'm just pushy so <laughs> <laughs> but i will keep calling you yeah. until you pick up the phone Bring, no, no. Like, you get like you get the occasional like misunderstanding or maybe slightly rude crew member mm. but it's not out of like malice it's out of being busy everyone i think you have to understand as well like i understand that people are not picking up the phone because they're on set they're not mm. applying because they're working that day they're booked like it's not all about my job i have to remember that although i'm you know spending two weeks in an office for two shoot days everyone that I'm going to have on those two shoot days is probably on set. So, and when I'm on set, I can't think about another job. You can't be thirsting and like prepping your next job whilst you're, you know, whilst yeah. you're on set. So it's just about a level of understanding and just a mutual respect. And I feel that I fortunately, maybe it's because I, I've always been very fortunate. I work with nice producers, nice directors and nice people that people do respect and they're happy to help out. Um, God, but I'm only 27. Give me a few years. Pray <laughs> God that that never changes. No, you're lucky. Pray God. So, Always first my job. <laughs> so where? So you've you've done some agency. You then tasted a bit of production. 
and you got on set and you said you're a production assistant runner no you were I started so I was a production assistant in-house yeah but because I was sort of I didn't again like I didn't want to blag it I went back to running and production running yep. because I wanted to just make sure I knew exactly the lay of the land before saying um oh yeah I'm a production assistant and actually because the first job I did a production ran Boris was the production assistant he set a bar so wonderfully high that I was like thank goodness I didn't run before I could walk because I want to be like that I want to be as organized and on top of things as he is before mm. I can say happily that I'm a, I'm a production assistant um what is the difference between what is it that a PA and a PM how do they differ do, or does it quite does it merge over each other the roles again completely like job by job basis because oh, really? you have yeah yeah 100% because you might get a production manager it, it depends on experience like I work with some PMs where basically we sort of do it together because maybe they don't feel like so strong on certain aspects that I feel quite strong on so I'll you know take over that and they'll take over that it's about splitting the, the workload into your strengths and what people are good at some production managers who maybe work on jobs where they're not used to having a PA um, because of money or anything like that they can be quite they can find it difficult to delegate mm. and that's not a bad thing at all but they they just need to be on top of everything so that they know that everything's being done that mm. I've worked with one recently like that and it's it's fine because but then it means I'm when I PA for them I'm just doing like little bits of call sheets, cast, taxis, that kind of thing. So I can be doing quite a small workload and I feel like they're doing loads, but just them knowing you're there mm. if, they, if they need you. And if you just make sure that you know exactly what's going on so that if the question is asked, you know the answer. And sometimes they're the good jobs because they, you can watch and learn how they do it. Mm. And they can be really valuable because you can say, cool, because there will be jobs. And I've done jobs where I, I PM'd and I couldn't afford a PA and you've had to do everything yourself. And you just need to learn really how to manage your time and manage your producer's expectations when you're doing it all yourself. Um, but yeah, again, I've had producers who can only have me and we work together. So a producer and a PM can work together like a PM, PA team. And you just, you just need to know that if you, as long as you get on with the person you're working with in production, and you can ask questions and you can just do it together. You're a team, really. So nice. there's, not, there's not the biggest hierarchy in the world, um, like a, stri a really strict one. You just, just know your place. No <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you kind of love what you do, but have you ever had that one moment where you've gone, yep, I found it, this is it, this is what I love doing, it's production and it's on film sets, or have you not had that yet? Um, I have it most jobs oh, oh, oh so lame God. <laughs> oh i hate myself no but thing is because i because like you know i did three years of drama school and acting has always been the thing i'm just so i feel very fortunate that i found a job another career because I, I do see it as my as my second career that i find as enjoyable and actually one that you can work hard at really really work hard at and reap the rewards mm. and sort of and and if you, if you do an acting job and you work really hard and everyone gets on really well, that's great. The, the director might not have a role for you on that next job they do. Like, no, nothing on you. This might not be a role for you. But yeah. in, in this world, 
there is, there's always going to be production on the next job. If you're a nice guy and people enjoy working with you, they will get you on their next job. So it can snowball depending on how hard you work and how enjoyable you are to be with. <laughs> and that's it's actually quite an interesting little thing of the dual, because you said my second career, you know, it's like, it's interesting to kind of have that because a lot of runners, when they're going to start, they're going to have multiple jobs. <clears throat> they might work in the yeah. bar, work in the thing. So how do you manage your time or what are your, have you got any like little rules in place? Because it's like, if the, if the acting is the, the place where you want to go to, how do you make sure that, the earning money as a PAPM doesn't kind of override it. So there have definitely been occasions where I've not been able to go to auditions and my agent's been a bit like, you know, it's, it's quite annoying that you can't go to that. But I think that I made the decision that I want to establish myself in the production world for X amount of years and get to the point where I can take off, you know, a month, two months, make my own work, do an acting job um, and know that I, I'll be able to get another job in production at the end of it. Cause someone will be like, Oh good. She's available now mm. rather than forgetting about you. Cause that's always a fear that you're going to like go on a, like a long trip and people are going to stop asking your availability. Um, so I think, it, for me, it's about the fact that I know that a lot of my friends quit acting because they were working in bars, they were you know, working in theatres and doing things that didn't allow them to live the life they wanted because they were just waiting for the career to happen. Mm. And then they had to quit and like, quit acting and get a proper job in order to you know, be able to go on holiday and, and live a nice life. And I'm sort of taking it that right now I'm very fortunate that I can you know work hard and earn good money save money so that later on maybe a couple of years down the line when I feel more established in production I can take time off I can make my own work with the wonderful crew that I've met and I can bring my maybe bring my acting friends back into it and, and help and help them out and and just sort of feel that I've got a nice secure other career of production which has maybe more longevity than acting does because if you're going to pick a risky career like acting or like any sort of creative art then I think you need to be realistic because you're not going to necessarily get spotted by Swarsezi on the street going for a coffee yeah. like it's a hard yeah. slog but acting is tough <clears throat> yeah yeah as you said you've got the other side that I think it's a very sensible kind of life lesson of saying, well, to have, to give me the time to build, to get that dream, I'm building this life now, as you said, saving a bit of money, getting all your bits and bobs. And then that allows you to then have your dream instead of just going, right, I need a nine to five. Um, and that's it. No more acting. So it's, it's, it's good. That's a good, it's good life lessons. Good advice. APC just dropping some bombs. So what's so, I, you know, you've done, you've done four years of production. You've done some acting beforehand in all of those times. You must've had some little seen some funny little things or silly little things. Have you got a little industry oh story? Life. What's your little kind of like, you know, sitting at the, at the kitchen table with some friends and you go, Oh, I work in the industry. Listen to this. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, it depends if you're, if you're talking to production friends or not, like, or if you're talking to people who are not in the industry, if you're talking to production friends, I feel like I've said this story so many times because 
it's like two things happen on the same day on my very very first shoot freelancing and I think it was, was quite a formidable producer that I was absolutely terrified of and we were working this big old like Tesco old building and I remember like it was late break um which is the meal you get late at night if you're working late I feel like you might have been on this job I'm not sure Rob okay. Blishen was the first thing Rob Blishen was the first AD legend um, and I was eating a falafel wrap and I remember it was like 9.30, we were so over time and I was terrified and starving, but I was so scared of her, I hadn't eaten all day. And I was in the corner in this corridor, like eating this falafel wrap. I just looked up and through this square of like the pushing doors, I just saw her turn around and look at me and I was like, and she like beckoned and it was like so emotional. I just threw my wrap against the wall and I ran through like, I'm coming. And I had to like, go back and I like pretending I wasn't eating and I was like I'm here I'm here and I had to go back later on and like collect this wrap which is like splattered against the wall and like now I look back and I'm like you were you were allowed to eat Alex. you're allowed to eat you're allowed to eat but I felt like I couldn't because I was so scared and I had to go and collect the wrap and then that night I um because it, it was my first job with Matt Bulatis and he'd asked me like a week before to book a hotel room for a cast member and it was, it was Valentine's Day, I remember. And he's asked me to book it, and I booked it on booking.com. And then the day before the shoot, realized that that cast member was no longer coming. And I hadn't canceled that hotel room. And I was like, great, I've got a hotel room near where we're shooting for absolutely no reason. I can't get my money back because so I'm past the cancellation oh, date. And it was Valentine's Day, and I remember my boyfriend at the time was like, living in Dartford, I wasn't going to see him. And Matt Brulatis was like, do you want a lift anywhere? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, just, uh, yeah, just to this hotel, please. And he was like, why are you staying in a hotel? And I was like, I forgot to, book, I forgot to cancel the hotel. And so I just thought I'd stay in the hotel. And he was like, you're an idiot. What have you done? So I just stayed in this hotel by myself on Valentine's Day. Oh no. Why didn't you get the boyfriend was, down? Oh, he was a terrible boyfriend. <laughs> oh. I had a great first day. That was my, my first day freelancing on set. First it job. Was, it was hilarious and terrifying all at the same time. So I guess with those kind of stories, what would your advice be to, like for you, for that job then, what would your advice be to yourself for that day of the shoot? Calm the fuck down. <laughs> I can put it on a t-shirt. That's fucking t-shirt fuck worthy. Just calm the fuck down. A first AD once said to me, um, you have crazy eyes and you need to learn to calm your crazy eyes down. And I was like, no, these, these, these are just my eyes. These are, these are just my eyes. Thanks so much. I never worked for him again. Um, because I was like, I think that's mean. This is, this is just who I am. Crazy and I think eyes. He said, you have crazy eyes. And it was in a negative way. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? That's, that's just not a nice thing to say. And I know that I think my, um, my over-exuberance does annoy some people because they can be like, come fuck down. But uh, this is how I function. Like a... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, on the edge. It's like it's Get the new puppy. Yeah, yeah, it's the pinball brain. We've yeah, got, like... if, you're, if you're doing this all the time and you're constantly like, you're, you're ready, you're ready, to, you're ready to go. Whereas hmm. when you have time off, like now having time off, I feel that like my body can sort of relax too much and it's mm. too hard to get back into the swing. Mm. Um, and also it's, it's one of those that, especially in a job like yours, 
you know, in prep and production, if you're not constantly trying to fire, blah, 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 what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next? What have I got to yeah. do? What have I not done? What needs to be done? If you're just like that, oh, I'll have a cup of tea. And then I'll just go and sit and watch the Jeremy Carl or whatever show, you know. And yeah. It's like you've got to have that energy. <clears throat> Some roles like need a bit of... Oh. Urgency. Like a yeah, tiny urgency. sense of urgency. Yeah. And I think it's, I've definitely worked with people that production production runners actually like some yeah some people that you're just there like can you just do that for me and then and you get met with yeah yeah okay and you're like okay. go now and, <laughs> yeah and they like wait for a bit and you're like ah, i could have done it now i could have done it in the time it's taking you to decide you're going to do it and i think i think i'm always just thinking of you just get that done and we can go home for the night like cool and then you take a holiday and that's why production like take time off in between jobs because mm. the normally you'll work for like a few weeks and then take a bit of time off whereas perhaps you know crew like yourself you maybe work like three to four days a week rather than five days a week in an office mm. but you know working for a couple of shoot days is it is yeah it's interesting i love how different everyone's jobs are and everyone's roles are in product in like in our industry and also and like, how different the personalities are for every role. It's yeah. like not every production manager is going to have your energy. Not every cameraman is going to be as calm as whoever. Not every director is going to be as accessible as, you know, X, Y, and Z. So it's, I guess, figuring out who you are, how you are, yeah. and be true to it on set. And be, but like, be adaptable as well. Mm. Like you need to learn to be so adaptable, I think, as, because you need to uh, and be, I don't know, I think I'm a very spatially and aware person and just quite generally aware. Like I can tell fairly early on if I'm not going to have like a lot with that DP like I did on the last job. And mm. if I know that I need to maybe treat that director in a slightly different way to my mate who directed the last one. Mm. And if you're, yeah, I think you'll get, You'll, you'll get far if you are good at reading people and reading a room nice. because you need to be able to adapt to what the room needs, especially if you're you know, dealing with agency or client. They're at the end of the day, yeah, they are the client and you need to be able to know how much they need and not give too much or, you know, but just, just give enough. And I think drama school actually and being an actor um, really, really helped me with that because you're, you're constantly reading the room. Yeah, I think it's good. I think, I think it's, um, it's an interesting background to have gone into production with, but it's, it's great. I feel very fortunate that I do know how to read people because of acting. Um, well, you are the first I, person that I've met, I think, so far that has cut. Actually, there's, there's one other person that does a bit of acting on side, Alcum V. Oh, uh, Driver. Yeah, Driver. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> He's done a bit. I think he's done a bit he on drives. the Hollyoaks. And, he drives, yeah. he plays he the guitar in the front seat when everyone yeah, else yeah. is like in the kitchen cooking at the back. Yeah. Um, and I think that is, it's again, another little thing. It's like, it doesn't matter where your background is, as long as you, you know, you get in somehow if you want. And we should save this for the advice. So anyone that's listened to this, we're going to do another little ep that is just advice for the next gen as well. So um, go check that out. Um, any final thoughts? Any people you want to shout out? Um, because, because they set the bar for how a production should go. And 
and just how you should treat your team. Matt Bulatis and Boris Frankie. I'm going to say Frankie, but like, Boris, how do you say your name? Frankie. I bought it Frankie. Because I tell everyone that Matt Bulatis is Bulatis and Ziska thinks it's Bulatis, but it's definitely Bulatis because I've asked you to your face. But I feel like I've never said Boris Frankie out loud before. So we need to, we need to discuss that, Boris. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, get him on a, we'll get him on a podcast on and just, just how to pronounce his name. That's <laughs> and that's it. And you're done. Thanks very much. Thanks, Boris. Take care. <laughs> right, well, look, no, Boris, big no, Boris, shout no, out no. to Matt and Boris. Uh, obviously, if you want to check out um, Alice Piccata at Pit Stopping. Well, I, I just didn't want to. I, I didn't know whether to kind of do the double T, double P thing then or not. But Insta at, and I'm looking at it, Pit Stopping. So P I double T S T O double P I N G. Follow. Brilliant little Instagram. Um, <laughs> and then for all the film students, all the rest of it, go check out thetimeshifter.com subscribe share send this to your friends who want to get into production um lots of love thank you for listening and until next time that is a wrap so that was a chat with the king or queen in the game i give it a shout at the end so you all know the name it's the film gods podcast the what the film god podcast